fire rescue, EMS, law enforcement. These are the three components of public safety, and those who answer the call are the first responders. Welcome to another episode of Five Alarm Task Force, news and issues for today's first responders with your host, Steve Green. Five Alarm Task Force presents some of the best instructors and mentors in public safety today to educate, elucidate, and entertain. No topic is out of bounds and every opinion has value. Five Alarm Task Force is brought to you by Insight Fire Training, LLC, your best bet for fire service, thermal imaging, camera training, and by the Firehouse Tribune, where you can expand your horizons in emergency services and learn to work hard, stay safe, and live inspired. And our promotional partners, Dalmatian Productions, Chief Miller Products and Sites, Hennessy Distributing, your source for the cool towel, the Firefighter Cancer Foundation, fighting to extinguish firefighter cancer since 2004, the Firefighter Cancer Sport Network, Nesta Bars, and the 2019 Great Florida Fire School. Remember, our ultimate goal is for you to be safe and return home after every call. So insert those earphones or turn up those speakers. The Five Alarm Task Force is being dispatched right now. Hello and welcome to another episode of Five Alarm Task Force, news and issues for today's first responders. I'm your host, Steve Green. It's a pleasure to be here and happy to have you with us. If you're a returning listener, you're always welcome back. And if you're a new listener, we welcome you too. We'd love to have you here joining us and listening to our podcasts about the fire service in particular and first responders in general. My guest today is Chris Baker. Chris is a returning guest, and Chris is very, very dedicated to one of the most important aspects of the fire service today, and that is mentorship. And we have some departments that are great at it, and some departments don't even begin to start it. And we're going to talk about Chris. He has basically devoted his career, other than his firefighting sec part of it, to promoting mentorship in the fire service. So uh, Chris will be with us in just a few moments. If you want to catch up on uh, previous episodes of Five Alarm Task Force, just go to our website, www.dalmatianproductions.tv. Just click on that podcast tab, and that will take you to our library of over 150 podcasts over the past three seasons. While you're on our website, please go to the homepage and sign up for our newsletter on the homepage. All you have to do is just put in your email. We protect that email. We will not give it up. We will not sell it unless... There's a lawful reason why we have to. And the newsletter comes out several times during the year, about five, maybe four or five times. We don't send out any spam. And, of course, we do not give your email away. And, of course, you can unsubscribe at any time should you so desire. And we would also like you to, if you follow us on Facebook, to like us. We have two locations on Facebook, uh, forward slash Prod and forward slash Fire. And please go there and like us there. And that goes a long way to help us with our spread and and people being able to find us more quickly. And the same actually goes true for your podcast platform. Whatever your podcast platform that you use, almost every single one of them requires or asks you to leave a review. And we ask you respectfully to please leave us a good review on your podcast platform, not just for us, but it also helps the platform itself Uh, raise us up in standings, and that makes us, in turn, easier for other people who are looking for the podcast to find us. 
and that's very easy to do. You just fill out the the uh, the review and send it in to your podcast platform. And if you really like the show and you want to share the like it, maybe you want to have a piece of the show, well, you can. You can go to our store at bit.ly forward slash Dalmat store, all one word, Dalmat store. And there you'll find several t-shirts. You can choose multiple colors. They have t-shirts with this wording or that wording on it that all have to deal with our podcast. And you can also buy some mugs, regular ceramic mugs with our logo on it. And the best part is not only do you get something like a piece of the show for yourself, but a portion of the net proceeds is donated to the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation, the charity, the number one charity for firefighters in this country. And so you help us and you help this wonderful charity that takes care of the families of fallen firefighters. And we're having a tough year this year, folks. So we need to really reach out to these families and and take care of them because we are losing too many of our brothers and sisters uh, here in uh, 2019. And that's it. Uh, That's all the business side we have to do. And we'll be right back in just a few moments with my guest, Chris Baker, right after this. Please stay tuned. New technology for the fire service seems to appear almost every day. And that technology demands a learning curve, especially if we're talking about thermal imaging cameras. That's where Insight Fire Training LLC is your best bet. With an excellent reputation across the U.S., Insight Fire Training will meet all your tick training needs. Their curriculum is peer-reviewed and has been used internationally. Their instructors are Level 1 Thermography Certified, and they have taught in 33 states and 4 countries. Their courses run from introductory to training the trainers. Courses are available online, for the classroom, classroom hybrid, and even live fire. Insight Training LLC is proficient in over 40 thermal imaging cameras, so you feel confident they will know your make and model. Best of all, Programs are customized to your specific needs, and their cadre of fire service veterans are vetted craftsmen of Project Kill the Flashover. They are so proficient that they have trained tick manufacturers on how to best use and sell their own product. That's Insight Fire Training, LLC. Look them up on InsightTrainingLLC.com, your best bet for tick training. you like to meet up with Andy and the gang from Insight Training? Now is the time to do it. Here are some of the dates. August 10th through 11th with FD Tactics in Texas. Tactical Thermal Imaging and Tactical Search. That's sold out. August 22nd, Enhanced Search Methodology with Instructor Thomas Anderson. Register through Evenbright. September 12th to the 14th, Train the Trainer in Spotsylvania, Virginia, Fire Department. Late September, Insight Training Webinar Series continues. Announcement is pending. And September 27th at the IFC Conference, Achieving by in with Thermal Imaging. And finally, October 6th through 12th, Firehouse Expo in Nashville. Two hot classes Tuesday and Wednesday, followed by two general conference sessions on Thursday by instructor Andy Starnes and instructor Thomas Anderson. Insight Training LLC, your best bet for tick training. The Firehouse Tribune where inspiration was forged by those who came before us, opening the doors for us to build a path, a path to share our mission with the rest of the emergency service world. With a small, tight-knit team of first responders, 
Dedicated to sharing experiences and knowledge, we constantly strive to provide our followers with thought-provoking content from all aspects of emergency services and life. Our contributors speak at top fire and EMS conferences in the country. They have been guests on numerous fire service podcasts and will even come and speak at your firehouse or event. Interested? Visit their website, www.thefirehousetribune.com and find them on Facebook using The Firehouse Tribune and on Twitter at FH Tribune and on Instagram, FH Tribune. We live by one motto, not just in emergency services, but in life as well. Excellence is a habit, not a goal. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Until next time, work hard, stay safe, and live inspired. Welcome to Chief Miller. Chief Miller operates the largest social media page dedicated to the men and women of the fire service from around the world. Check him out on Instagram at Chief underscore Miller. Find him on Twitter at Chief underscore Miller. And check out the website where you can find Chief Miller Apparel at ChiefMillerApparel.com. And welcome back to this episode of Five Alarm Task Force, news and issues for today's first responders. And my guest today, as I mentioned, he is a returning guest. He's a great supporter of the podcast. It was through his efforts that we actually were able to connect with Chief Miller on uh, Twitter and on uh, his two, uh, two of, I shouldn't say just, and on two of his Instagram uh, IDs. He has more than just those two. But Chief Miller's a great guy. If it wasn't for Chris's efforts, he, he was the one who put it, put us together. And Chris, for that, again, I want to publicly thank you for helping me out with that and, and, and putting us together. Chris Baker has over 13 years in volunteer combination in Career Fire Departments in California. He holds a Bachelor of Arts degree in Anthropology and an Associates of Science degree in Fire Service Command Company Officer. Chris is a California State Fire Training Certified Fire Officer, Driver Operator, Fire Instructor, and Lead Firefighter 1 Certification Evaluator. He has over nine years of teaching experience as an adjunct instructor in the EMS discipline, Firefighter 1 Academy Instructor, and Fire Science Instructor in the California Community Colleges System. He is a member of the California Fire Technology Directors Association and the California Training Officers Association. He served as a volunteer peer reviewer on the 2017 Staffing for Adequate Fire and Emergency Response Grants, known as SAFER Grants, for both hiring and recruitment retention. He has also served as a peer reviewer on the 2017 Assistance to Firefighter Grants and the 2018 Assistance to Firefighter Grants. He is a volunteer advocate, regional manager for Region 9, including California, Nevada, Arizona, and Hawaii, for the Everyone Goes Home program through the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation. Chris also serves as a volunteer member of the International Association of Fire Chiefs Safety, Health, and Survival Section, serving in their staging area. He was a member of the 2018 and 2019 Safety Stand-Down Committees. Chris is a member of the Board of Directors and the Public Information Officer for the National Fire Heritage Center located in Emmitsburg, Maryland. He is a National Fire Service Instructor teaching at notable fire conferences across the country, including the Fire Department Instructors Conference, FDIC International. Chris is the co-host of the Fire Engineering, the Future Firefighter podcast, and he writes blog articles published through Firefighter Nation and the Fire Engineering Training Community on mentoring the future generations of the fire service. Chris, welcome back to the show. So happy to have you with us again. Thank you, Steve. I'm, I'm honored to be a guest on your show. Well, I know that you have quite a schedule. You are the busy bee, uh, probably one of the most busiest bees in the fire service. 
right now. But uh, I thank you so much for finding time to come on with us again and talking about a topic that is near and dear to both of our hearts. Um, you probably saw an article that I published uh, several months ago that said that basically every firefighter should be willing when they're wherever they are, they have an interaction with a citizen, whether they're at the grocery market shopping for the lunch and dinner for the day or whatever, they're at the mall. They should always be ready. Take a few moments, give a handout to a citizen or a child and give them a two minute lesson about fire prevention or who we are. And you are such a strong advocate for taking that and turning not only just to our citizens, but mentorship within the fire service. We know there's a big generational change that, that is going on right now between those guys who and gals who are ready to, almost ready to retire out and have, you know, 20, 25, 30 years of experience. And the newbies, the probies who are coming in today, some of them may have been volunteers, but a lot of them are just coming into the fire service because the way they look at jobs today is way different than we did than you did when you were a kid, and you know you're, you you jumped into a volunteer fire department when you were young, and you progressed from there. And I started in volunteer fire department as well. But a lot of the kids today are just looking at jobs and say, "Hmm, bank. I can work at the bank. I can work in that company. I can be a firefighter. There's good benefit. No, they just choose I'll be a firefighter. But how do we bridge then that young young probie just coming in? to the generation that's going to be walking out that door too soon. And that's where you come in and your guide for mentorship. Why don't you tell the listeners about that, please? Yes, Steve. Um, and briefly, you just covered uh, several points that are really important when it comes to, to mentorship. Every opportunity that, that we have to interact with the public, um, either in community risk reduction or at the supermarket, um, or on a tour of the firehouse, it's an opportunity for us to be able to share with the, with the up-and-coming future generations of the fire service why we're a firefighter and what it means to us to serve our communities. Right. So that's mentorship. Um, and, and in a nutshell, that two minutes that you have to positively interact with your community, that's an opportunity for us to be able to plant the seed and to be able to uh, start that relationship with that prospective future firefighter, it might be that uh, that moment that you have with them that makes them want to come by the firehouse and take a tour of the station. Um, maybe check out the equipment in the apparatus bay. Maybe schedule a ride-along opportunity. I, I know for a lot of us, we, we started in the trenches as, as a volunteer firefighter, and that's how we all pretty much got our starts. And with these up and coming future firefighters, that might be where you are able to have that positive interaction. And they might, you know, look at this as an opportunity to become a future firefighter and take the fire academy at their local community college. And, you know, right now in California, it's taken about four to four and a half years to get a full-time career uh, professional position in the fire service. And along that four and a half to five year journey, it's uh, very important, it's paramount um, to have a mentor to help guide them through that process. Um, what classes to take at the community college level, what, uh, what career development opportunities they can pursue, 
Um, maybe it might just be that positive affirmation. It might be that positive encouragement that keeps them going mm-hmm. out there in this uh, this grueling test circuit. Right. Um, I've had the opportunity to assist 75 candidates now seek uh-huh. full-time career employment in the fire service. Um, so over the last decade, I, I consider myself a, a mentor. And you also briefly mentioned it. It's also paramount to not only be a mentor, but also be a mentee. Uh, We all should be mentored, um, and we all should have the opportunity to mentor someone else. That's a great point, to to pat the concept of pass it on, pay it forward, any of those phrases that um, we have to do. And, you know, one of the things that brings to mind is the, uh, the situation with retired firefighters. And oftentimes, folks, maybe, you know, you're not close enough to the scene like Chris and I are, but oftentimes it's, it's very difficult for a firefighter who has put in 20, 25, 30 years in the department to retire and take, separate him or herself from the second family that they've had for all that time. And sure, there have been changes in the family and some new firefighters come in, somebody transfers out to another station for whatever reason, but you still have that second family at the firehouse. And when they re- retire, it's, it's, a lot of them have a tough time. And unfortunately, with talking with our other good friends and guests and supporters, that we, we lose several firefighters every year to their own hand because of the depression they underwent when they separated themselves from the fire service. However, with what Chris is talking about, we have the opportunity, why, to, why toss all that knowledge and that history away, just let it walk out the door? This, would be, this is a great opportunity to try to uh, encourage a retiree who you feel is qualified to come back maybe once a month or, or set a, some sort of a, a convenient time period for everybody and let him come back and be a mentor to the younger kids in the group. Uh, and even some of the guys would have five years in. You know, you might have five or seven years in in a department, but that guy, gal who has, you know, 15, 20, 30 years in bests you by several generations. And they have a lot of knowledge of the way they did things back in the day when things didn't work, when they didn't have all the gadgets that we have today. Uh, you know, we have a simple example. In I'm not sure when you started, did you have, for, uh, for the doors, did you have regular wooden chalks uh, for doors, or did you have the new metal, expanding metal ones that we have now? Uh, Steve, when I started, uh, <laughs> I just started in December of 2005. <laughs> Okay. And uh, my first turnout jacket had corduroy, and um, uh, I remember the old style uh, SCBAs. Right. Um, we had the wooden wooden chalk blocks. Um, I got to ride tailboard once. Um, it was a highlight of being a uh, being a volunteer. Sure. Um, so as far as that that old guard and the and the new guard coming up, it's important to uh, pass on that that institutional knowledge. And the, uh, the baby boomers, they're, they're retiring, and you have a plethora of experience. Uh, you have members that served 
30 plus years um, in, in the fire and emergency services. And, and it's important to pass on that information from their slide trays, that, that institutional knowledge. It's important to pass that information on to the to this next group of firefighters that are coming up to, uh, you know, accept that baton. And it's interesting, um, as, as we get older, um, it's up to us to reciprocate that information and to pass it on to the next generation and then show them the example through mentorship of how they're able to do that when they have that opportunity as part of their succession plan to be able to do the same. Well, that's a great point to make. So let's, let's take it back a little bit more to the beginning and let's look at it. You have a, you, you, you present at various conferences. You have a program that you present about mentorship. So how do we, let's start at the very beginning and how do we, how do you, if we're the audience, how do you present the concept of mentorship to your audience and how do you, what do we do as a group to encourage more people to take on the mantle of mentorship through your offerings? Steve, that's an excellent question. And I was honored uh, to uh, present at FDIC, the, the Fire Department Instructors Conference in 2019 in Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, I'm extremely grateful to the Clarion Fire Rescue Group, Chief Bobby Halton, and the advisory committee for that opportunity. M my class was well attended. I had over 130 uh, attendees in my class. Wow. Uh, I was ex excited to to be able to fill up that space in that classroom and sure. um, to have, you know, good friends of ours, Deputy Chief Steve Pierzbowski, uh, Captain Jim Moss, even Chief Bobby Halton came for about the last 15 minutes of my class. So I was honored just to have our fellow uh, colleagues in the fire service even attend. And I received some some excellent feedback from from my mentors on how I can improve and I'm patiently waiting for the uh, the, the 2020 uh, instructor proposals. I'm, I'm crossing my fingers that my proposal is accepted again and I have the opportunity to return. You and I so, both. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And so good luck on your proposal as well. Well, I'm crossing my toes as well. Sorry. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And I, I love FDIC. And for those listeners that are out in the audience, uh, it took me about 10 years to find out what what conferences were, were all about. And I've had the opportunity to travel to six national conferences. And that's where mentorship occurs. Sure. Uh, mentorship occurs at these conferences, at the, uh, at the restaurants, um, at uh, the in-between classes, um, at the trainings. It, it's just a week of, of mentorship and fellowship and, and brother and sisterhood. So for the listeners out in the audience, please, uh, uh, April 20th through the 25th, 2020, uh, Fire Department Instructors Conference, Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, you have to make your way to, to Indy, and, and it's an excellent experience. This last year, uh, over 35,000 people attended FDIC. It broke, a, broke one of their, their longstanding records. No, I'm not. I'm not surprised. I only, I only got to go once. I was already out of the fire service for many years. But I went to the FDIC of 2002. Okay. And it was an amazing situation because I was going there with a friend of mine who was still a firefighter, and we were doing a radio show. This was before podcasts were even born. 
he had a radio show called Burning Issues, my good friend Frank Correggio, uh, who's now working with uh, Broward. Uh, he was a firefighter, PIO for Boca Raton Fire, and he's come down uh, to Broward County, works in the Sheriff's Office Fire Rescue Services, working with the cadet program and Scout Eagle Scout program through the Sheriff's Office, through that fire department. And he, he brought me there, and this was the first event, big national event, since the tragedy of 9-11. We had thousands upon thousands of firefighters there, and it was a tremendously moving and emotional conference. Yeah, you had still had a lot of the camaraderie, but everybody still had that, wore that black band during those days to remember all the, our brothers and sisters that we lost uh, from fire, law enforcement, Port Authority, volunteers who came in from outside of the city, Westchester County and Long Island. We wear those ba- we wore those bands to remember all of them and all of our citizen brother and sisters who we lost in that day. But we still pl- plugged ahead and we had a great convention and uh, Frank and I were there. We were broadcasting live both video and audio from the floor and then we would go around to the conferences, classes, and and the different programs and talk with people there. And I can tell you folks, what Chris said was multiplied 50 times on that particular event in 2002. But what it showed more than anything else was as firefighters, who we are and what we do, we stand to remain who we are and continue to do what we do, even in the face of what happened in 9-11. The mentorship, I, I learned, even though I wasn't there to learn, I wasn't there as a student, I learned so much at that conference. I, when I went to the, uh, Joe DeVito invited me to the first Great Florida Fire School, and I was sitting in his classes, he was teaching about thermal imaging cameras, ticks, and I was taking notes. Just I sat in the, on the, one of those classroom chairs and I'm just sitting there with my pad taking notes. I'm never going to use a tick camera. I'm not, I haven't been in a firefighter for 30 years. But it was so interesting what he was teaching that I just took three or four pages of notes sitting there. And that's what Chris is talking about. There is so much to gain. And this was true, basically, I believe this is true in any professional conference, most professional conferences. When I was involved in mine, what I did working with synagogues, I went to the regional and national conferences. Most of the best learning went on sitting at meals together or going to the cocktail party and, and chatting together and going to maybe the keynote address. But the interpersonal action is where the greatest amount of learning takes place. Yeah, definitely. And, and um, some of my mentors I've met at the conferences and, and the trade shows and uh, traveling outside of California and have had the opportunity to go to six national conferences. And at these national conferences, you have the opportunity to network. Right. And everyone's open and, and uh, available for conversation and even after classes, uh, the presenters, they, they stay and they interact with the students and the uh-huh. attendees. And I had a great mentorship conversation with one of the volunteers um, that was working at FDIC. And we connected after the, after the conference and he wants to help. Uh, he wants help on his proposal and being a future presenter. And so I've been kind of mentoring him 
on the process and that's that's mentorship uh, mentorship happens uh, and it's important to to seize these golden opportunities to to inspire members of our communities to not only become future public servants but also to actively engage these future members in a positive and meaningful way right. and those opportunities that we have it, it might be that moment that you spend with them that you exchange contact information or or social media information and and then after the conference you have the opportunity to have conversations and dialogues and you might be able to assist them with their career action plans they they might have uh, goals that they want to accomplish maybe one of them might be to get an article published in fire engineering magazine for example or present at FDIC and it's it's those opportunities that we have to interact with with them and uh, create create those opportunities together collectively that might make all the difference. And I I really believe that mentorship is is how we foster positive continuous improvement in the fire service. That's a great way to look at it. It, it really is. This is it's like you said before, and I've used an article. We plant that seed. And just same thing, if we want to grow a garden at home, we plant the seed, and then we tend to it. We make sure it has water, it has sunlight, not too much water, not too much sunlight, and we watch it, and then that first bud comes up. And for, for those of you who have started gardens, or, or flower, pet bed, whatever, that first bud makes you so happy, it gives you such a great feeling. And if you translate that to what we're talking about today, you plant that seed into a young firefighter. And, oh, maybe a week later, two weeks later, he contacts you and says, hey, I got a question I want to toss you away and see what you have to say about it. Boom. That is that bud of the seed you planted when you first met with that firefighter. Or if it's the citizen who calls and say, we saw you at the at the at the grocery store. Can we bring the kids by? You guys have a day that we can bring the kids by to the fire station. Bam, that's the first bud of the seed you planted. Definitely, and um, I can remember the first time I I visited my local firehouse back in um, 2005, and I remember how those firefighters treated me. And and over the the next eight months, going through the probationary volunteer recruit academy. And uh, all the classes were taught by career firefighters. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, we studied the IFSTA, I think it was the fourth edition at that time period. And on Wednesdays evenings and, and on the weekends, they uh, volunteered their time to come and teach us um, how to be, how to be firefighters. And, and that, that inspirational journey, that's something that I've been reflecting on recently is all of us have a story, all of us have a journey, all of us have an experience where we got the the bug, where right. we, you know, where we got excited and and uh, wanted to pursue this as a career, and and all of all of those, if you if you think about it, all of those interactions that we have is mentorship, and that's how we encourage this next generation to get excited and, and to want to pursue this as a, as a career, it might be through an explorer program. It might be through a reserve program. 
It might be through like a regional opportunity program, like an ROP program, to where these future firefighters have the opportunity to, to experience what we get to experience. And then it really is up to us to assist and guide them in those opportunities to become to become a firefighter. Oh, absolutely. As a matter of fact, uh, when I spoke this week with uh, Chief Charles Werner regarding drone responders and using drones, one of the things the organization is aiming for now is to create a STEM program they can bring to middle schools and high schools because they know that these kids, many of them have absolutely phenomenal uh, hand-eye coordination because of the video games they play. You know, it's important for us to note that a lot of our young people are in their late teens, early 20s who have gone into the armed services are actually the ones flying the dr- the military drones that we use around the world. Why? Because in their, te- uh, in their capability testing, they had great eye-hand coordination. So Drone Responders it wants to make use of that by bringing a STEM program to teach the kids about drones and how, how they're used and giving them control to whether they start with the little toy ones then work them way up. But they're very dedicated to a STEM program. And again, that's a great example of a national organization saying, hey, we're going to create a mentoring program starting with kids in middle school and that hopefully, whether they go into fire suppression, they go into law enforcement, they go to EMS, they go to emergency ops, whatever, they're going to take this skill that they've learned with them because the use of drones in our society is exploding now and give these kids, you know, another 10 years to finish school and uh, up through high school and into college or tech school, these kids are going to be absolutely amazing. But while they'll be good at that, we want to make sure that they also can be excellent people of their own profession as well. And that's going to take mentoring from that side. Right. I, I completely agree, Steve. And, and that's important. Um, anytime we have these interactions with uh, with either high school students, I've, I've taught in the high school setting. I've taught nine years in the in the community college setting. Those those opportunities that we have, those golden golden moments to be able to inspire the, the future generation. It might be through uh, drones. It might be through technology. It might be through um you know, Esri is, a, is another good platform right now. There's a lot of technology, Pulse Point. There's a lot of IT interface right now. A good friend of mine, Captain Kirk McKenzie with the Consumers uh, Fire Protection District, he's kind of leading the forefront on a lot of this technology in the, in the Sacramento area. He also taught at FDIC. And these classes are well attended by um, a lot of the millennials and a lot of the future firefighters that are into the technology aspects. And we're going to see it within our careers. Um, we're going to see it within the fire service that we're going to be evolving and we're going to be utilizing more technology. And it's really up to us to encourage and engage these future members because ultimately, as Chief Bruno said, you know, we have to take care of Mrs. Smith and it might be through some of this technology. It might be through some of these future 
firefighters that we are able to develop some technology that we would be able to utilize to, to better take care of Mrs. Smith and the public. No, without a doubt. And, you know, it's, it's hard to believe we're coming on the uh, second anniversary of Chief Bruno's passing. Luckily, I, I actually got one of my earliest podcasts. Uh, he was a guest on there, um, along with Chief uh, Dennis Rubin. And I don't know, I guess every few months I come back into to the studio and I just play that, that uh, podcast, uh, that interview, to listen to him and appreciate again just what a brilliant man he was uh, as far as, as firefighting and I'm sure many, many other things that I admire so much as another person like that is Bobby Halton. Chief Bobby Halton is just an amazing, uh, he's a treasure trove of information, and not just about the fire service, about our behavior as a society and how we've grown. And, and he's just such a great teacher and speaker and, you know, he was a student of Chief Bruno as well. And there were many others who were. And I, I had an opportunity to meet him once, and I had the one interview with him. Um, so I feel just that tiny bit of connection. But I, I wish that I could have been someone who was closer to him because of the pearls that he delivered uh, to initially his crew in Phoenix and then to the rest of us uh, as his, I, wanna, I don't, I don't want to use the word fame in a negative light, but as his fame grew, he was able to teach in more places and, and visit more departments and teach again when he was there. And to sit in a class with him from people who have told me was, you just sat back with your mouth open trying to absorb everything this man said. Uh, not everybody can do that. Not everybody's a teacher. But everybody can be a helper. Exactly, Steve. And, and that's a perfect segue. Uh, Chief Bruno, he, he, he gave us the example. If you really want to see an example of what uh, a mentor is and what a mentor does, the legacy that Chief Bruno left for all of us is that example, that, that guiding light. Um, I had the opportunity to drive Chief Bruno to um, an, an award ceremony in Baltimore, and I'll never forget that interaction of being able to drive the chief around Baltimore. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, I didn't want to get lost or get, you know, make, you know, Chief Bruno late to his awards <laughs> ceremony. But uh, that opportunity just to, to have those precious moments with Chief Bruno. Um, I took several of his classes in, in 2015. And, and I, I, I loved every minute of those classes, the, the interaction he had. He, he facilitated discussions. Um, it wasn't death by PowerPoint. He wasn't up in front of the classroom uh, teaching and how a, a lot of normal teachers teach through PowerPoint slides. He, he actually facilitated discussions with, with firefighters in the room, and he allowed us through the Socratic method to come up with our own conclusions, our own answers, and he really facilitated that, that learning. Um, so for, for those listeners that are out in the audience, follow the example of, of Chief Bruno, of Chief Halton, uh, Chief uh, Dennis Rubin, uh, Chief Bruce Varner. There's, there's several out there that were part of uh, Chief Bruno's uh, cadre, you could say, that would travel around the country teaching with, uh, with Chief Bruno. 
And it's up to these members um, to pass on his legacy. And then it's up to us to, to, to accept that baton and, and to keep Chief Bruno's legacy alive. Right. And, and share that with the next generation. So to connect the, the first part of the, the podcast with this part of the podcast, that's how we do it. That's the why to mentorship, why it's important is we need to take the legacy of the fire service and we need to share that legacy with the future generations. So the future generations that are coming up, they haven't had that opportunity to take a class from Chief Bruno. They haven't had that opportunity to meet him at a, at a conference. And so really, Chief Bruno, we keep his legacy alive by sharing those moments with the, with the future so that they understand who Mrs. Smith is. They understand what be nice means. They understand what customer service is, is, is important to uh, the fire service and, and important to being, being a firefighter. So I really believe that those positive interactions that we have, that's, that's how we mentor the next, the next generation. Okay, and for those of you who don't know, uh, and if you want to find uh, Chief Bruno, his name is Chief was Chief Alan Brunacini, B R U N A C I N I, I believe Brunacini, right? But he went by Chief Bruno as as the nickname. All right, so uh, we're gonna take a break here, folks, and when we come back, we're gonna discuss a little bit more about mentorship uh, with Chris, who to me is actually the first one I would turn to if I have a question about mentorship for the fire service. Chris is that guy that I today, I will turn to because of his dedication to task. So we'll be right back with Chris Baker right after these words. Please stay tuned. No matter where we live or no matter the season, there is always work to be done that makes us sweat. Just how can we keep cool? Well, Hennessy Distributing has the answer. Cool towels. Cool towels are 100% cotton towel and pre-moistened with all natural ingredients. The best part? No water is needed. Just open your cool towel pack, remove the towel and give it a couple of shakes and you're all set. Wrap it around your neck like a kerchief, wipe your face, arms, neck or any exposed skin and it is approximately 20 to 30 degrees below the ambient temperature. Wait, did it warm up? No problem. Just shake it a couple of times again and cool towel delivers its refreshing cool touch all over again. When the cooling mixture has expired, use your cool towel as you would any cloth or rag around the house. Because it is manufactured from 100% cotton, your cool towel is 100% recyclable. For more information or to get your cool towel today, visit www.cooltowel.com or call 1-800-918-8323. Remember, you're going to work and you're going to sweat. Make cool towel your answer to keeping cool. The tone sound and the dispatcher announces stations 14 and 16, working residential structure. That was all you needed to hear. You jump up from your chair, head to the engine, and climb into the jump seat. As the queue screams, you take stock of your PPE, bunker pants, check, turnout coat, check, hood, check, gloves, check, escape line, check, SCBA strapped on, you're ready. Upon arrival, you jump off the apparatus, grab the loops of the red cross lay, and head for the open front door where smoke is pouring out. You make sure your buddy's behind you. You crouch low and make your way inside, your trusty SCBA mask hanging on your tool belt. What? Stop everything. What the hell are you thinking? You see it's a working room and contents fire, and the smoke is banking down almost to the floor. Who do you think you are, Superman? 
One breath of that crap in the smoke will damage you in some way, guaranteed. All the soot, carbon, carcinogens, and other outgassing materials will enter your body through the pores on your unprotected face. Don't be the domino, the first person down that forces everyone else to change their tasks to take care of you. Always remember, face peace on. You have comrades depending on you and a family to go home to. Face peace on. You're ready to call it a night. The kids are tucked in, the lights are out, and the dog's in the den. Seems all is calm. But stop. It's not all right. To keep you and your family safe in the event of a fire, we're advising you to close before you doze. Close your bedroom doors when you go to sleep. Why? Because closed doors dramatically decrease heat and carbon monoxide levels, which provide trapped occupants more time for help to arrive. And closed doors can slow the spread of the fire, increase oxygen levels, and decrease temperatures dramatically. You've invested in smoke and carbon monoxide alarms. You've practiced fire escape plans with your family. Now learn another important way to protect all of you. Close before you doze. Also remember, if you are able to escape, make sure the last one out closes the main door. Remember, close before you doze. This message is brought to you by the UL Firefighter Safety Research Institute, closebeforeyoudoze.org, your local fire department, and this podcaster. And welcome back to this episode of Five Alarm Task Force, news and issues for today's first responders and my guest, Chris Baker. Chris is a well-experienced firefighter from California. He's gone through the ropes. He's started as a volunteer and then worked his way up to uh, uh, several career posts. And one of his passions, probably his leading passion in the fire service, is mentorship and, and promoting the concept of mentorship in each and every fire department. And, you know, in the first segment, Chris, you mentioned about we all had reasons that that kind of steered us in a way. Sometimes it was a visit to the firehouse and sometimes it was hearing somebody like Chief Bruno. It, for a lot for my generation was a TV show emergency. You know, we saw paramedicine, uh, even though L.A. was actually second behind a county in North Carolina to start paramedicine. They they glorified paramedicine and the fire service in that show and that drove many of us uh, and i i mean i had visited firehouses as a kid i just made that a hobby from my time my parents took me till i could ride my bike till i could drive my car and i've i would drive all over greater boston to visit various firehouses and every time i traveled i would try to visit at least one firehouse in every community that i was in but i didn't plan on being a firefighter that was not in my mind i just admired them but when I moved to North Carolina and I found out there was a combo station that was three quarters of a mile down the street from my apartment, I walked in there one day to just look at the apparatus because the doors were up and they had beautiful looking apparatus. And I wound up wa- walking out with an application to be a volunteer, uh, which surprised both m- my wife and, and, and me. But I loved it. It was worth everything that I went through. And I was lucky enough to have a mentor there. I actually had a couple. The chief turned out to be a mentor for me, and the guy I met, a young kid who was seven years younger than me, and I met him the same night we were being voted in, and he's still my best friend today and one of my business partners. And the chief kind of took us under his wing. And in that department, we also had uh, paid what we call caretakers. They were on 24, off 48, and they were there to make sure that the first apparatus got out uh, relatively quickly. And one of those guys, my friend Roger, 
uh, took us under his wing, and he was our mentor for our time there. And thank goodness that almost every summer I get back to Greensboro, and we always have dinner together, and I get to see him. Uh, Two years ago, I got to see the chief. Uh, I was so lucky to see that he was still up and around. He was in his 80s, and he's outside mowing his lawn in 103 degrees. But we went in and had some sweet tea and uh, a great talk, and I learned a lot more about why he did take my friend Rich and I under under the wing. And it was exactly what we're talking about today. He saw something in, the, in us and he wanted to mentor us. He wanted to guide us because he saw us as not just great firefighter material, but as leaders in the fire service. And he was getting us to that point through the state fire school of getting to the officer's training. Unfortunately, that last summer, my wife and I moved from North Carolina, and my partner, Rich, had already been hired by uh, Metro PD in Washington, D.C., but we never forgot that time there, and we always do remember and appreciate those people who were our mentors during those years back in the the mid-'70s, and the more we talked about it today in that first segment, the more I remember just how fortunate Rich and I were to have both the chief and our friend Roger, who was one of the caretakers, drivers as who took us we didn't ask for them but they were right there for us when we asked questions and then it became a little bit more of a formal relationship they were our mentors they were our teachers and i loved like i said even though i was working almost 80 hours a week in my job i loved spending that time at the firehouse especially when roger was on his day on and i could teach especially if it was on the weekend i mean i could learn and he could teach uh especially on a weekend so chris let's let's segue from that to where we are in your program. And we've explained the idea of mentorship to our listeners. Hopefully some of them knew what it was in general uh, before they listened, but we're talking about the fire service. And by the way, would you agree that this also applies in in law enforcement and EMS for new people coming in there as well? Oh, definitely. And and um, I have had the opportunity to kind of hybrid on a on a another podcast with a good friend of mine, Motor Cop, and he's a police officer here in the in the Bay Area with another good friend of ours, Justin Shore, the happy medic on, on What's Your Emergency Radio. And we, we actually talked about mentorship uh, is beyond uh, just, you know, the fire service. Mentorship happens in, in not only law enforcement, but also EMS programs. Um, so it's important to to think of this concept, it's not just firefighter mentorship. The mentorship happens in, in several different careers um, in public safety and, and with other emergency medical uh, resources and responders. Right. And other fields. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, if, if you want to have an interest in being a plumber, there's going to, going to be, you'll find a mentor who will teach you. You want to do welding and, and fabrication. You know, you may have gotten some experience, but when you really go looking for it, hopefully you're going to find a mentor there who'll share their skills and abilities and teach you the same thing. So really what we're talking about here, folks, is you take something that you have that's invaluable because you can't put any price on it. And yes, a lot of a lot of people teach at programs and they get, you know, per diems and, and, and fees for that. But in general, there's no you can't place a dollar sign on the value of somebody who's willing to teach and share with you and impart in you their knowledge and their experience as you're coming into a new field. And that's, you have to respect that person 
and if you have that right relationship, you're probably going to wind up being friends, just like happened with us. And and I think with, as uh, Chris has said, uh, that he's done it, and he's working with colleagues, and it's no longer just teaching mentorship. It's not just colleagues; they they're friends that they work together and talk about. And and one of those experiences, um, right after I taught my class at FDIC, uh, a chief battalion chief Jerry Tracy uh, retired from the FDNY. Uh, he reached out to me, and he had a bunch of information on the firefighter candidate mentoring program from the FDNY. And he had articles that he had published in, in fire engineering. He had a bunch of resources that he uh, shared with me. Oh, nice. And and that was a, an amazing uh, uh, mentoring uh, opportunity for me as the mentee to receive that mentorship from, from Chief Tracy. And that really encouraged me to seek out more information from other agencies, from other departments, other firefighters. And I started building a resource list of other departments around the world that have mentoring programs. And it was amazing. Through the power of social media, uh, through the power of networking and, and other connections, I was able to build a resource list of other departments that have evolved mentoring programs, either from the the uh, introductory level or into the advanced level, uh-huh. either either with the uh, uh, high school programs or college programs or even in their own departments. And Steve, I have to share, several chief officers have reached out to me and asked if there's any mentoring programs for, for fire chiefs. Uh, several captains have reached out to me and asked if there's mentoring programs for company officers. So for your listeners out in the audience, it's not just mentoring programs for firefighters or future firefighters. Other, you know, if you take about it, if you think about it, other ranks and and other professionals within the fire service, they're also looking for mentorship and guidance. Uh, So some of those resources, the IFC, the International Association of Fire Chiefs, they have a mentoring program. You could go to their website, www.ifc.org. You can find out more about their their programs. And a good friend of mine and one of my mentors, Chief Gary Ludwig, um, is the is the new president of yes. the IFC. So I want to wish uh, uh, Chief Ludwig uh, uh, much you know success this year, and and, um, and and as he's at the helm of the IFC. In addition. The Center for Public Safety Excellence, the CPSC, they also have a 21st Century Mentoring and Professional Development uh, program, and a good mentor and friend of mine, Deputy Chief Jacob McAfee, uh, teaches all over the country um, for the CPSC and, and mentoring. They also have a workshop that they provide. It's Nurturing Fire Service Leaders Through Mentorship. You could go to their website, and that's cpse.org, and you can find out more about uh, not only just 21st century mentoring, but also nurturing fire service leaders through mentorship. So those are just two examples for company officers and also chief officers. Um, and it's it's amazing uh, to be a hub, to be a conduit 
um, to take this information and gather this information and then share it. Um, that's really kind of how I see my legacy in the fire service is helping agencies start their own mentoring programs, um, gathering information and being a resource and, and assisting and guiding them. And if you really think about how we leave a legacy, if you really think about how we uh, uh, carry on the, the pride and tradition and the honor of the fire service, for me, this might be my calling. You know, this might be, it's not just my passion, um, but really this is my why. My why is to to help agencies to start and, and, and foster their own mentoring programs. And if you really think about how many people that can really affect in, in, in our in our uh, profession, um, just myself, you know, I know the people that have contacted me, but really, if you really think about, it goes beyond me. And uh, this is really, I really believe this is how we create positive change in the fire service is just by starting these mentoring programs. I agree wholeheartedly. And I think that, um, you know, oftentimes uh, change in the fire service can be a dirty word to many, but when you, I don't want to, I don't want to sound, you know, like Dr. Evil here, but when you couch the change through education and mentoring, it may not have the same negative meaning to the firefighter or the, the law enforcement officer or the paramedic or EMT that just changing a policy just with a, with a black line and, and that's it and that's what you do. Uh, so I think what you just said is very, very important that you can use mentoring and teaching to bring about change in a welcome manner rather than a um, you know, offensive and defensive situation that we've often seen in, in the fire service. And I love that idea. I think it's a great, a great way to look at it. Definitely, Steve, and I, uh, I echo your, you know, your sentiments, and and um, it's just been so exciting. Uh, this last, I would probably say I've been working on this probably for like the last three years now, and um, I'm looking forward to the opportunity to teaching uh, firefighter mentorship in the in the future. Um, I've been teaching it locally, uh, regionally, at the community college level, nationally at FDIC. And I'm excited when departments contact me for, for information and resources. And then a year later, they, they share with me that they've started a mentoring program. And uh, it, it, it's, those, are, those are your milestones. Those are your, you know, that's how you measure your effectiveness and your success is by seeing other agencies foster these programs and then to see them mentoring uh, their members and succession planning. Succession planning is so important. Um, I had a fire chief recently uh, share that uh, it's up to us to, to find those members that want to be company officers, that want to be chief officers, that want to be executive fire officers, and it's up to us to help them get there. And it's through having that that mentor mentee relationship to where we can help these future members on their journey mm -hmm. um, to be able to get to, you know, the level that they desire to become. Right. That's a great point. Um, and I, I think that uh, when we look 
at mentorship, uh, especially in, in emergency services. It really, it doesn't have that teacher-student connotation because you're actually having someone who's done the same thing you have or that you're looking forward to sharing their way and their experience of it with you. So even though they may be a stranger, you have a connection by the fact that, in this case, we're, we're all in the fire service. And so uh, it would be no different than your captain asking you know, his, his crew for that day to um, sit in the day room, and he sits on the edge of the table and shares a little bit with you. The only difference is when Chris or others teach at the, these conferences, it's a little bit more formal. There's, there's a podium up front and there's the chairs in the room. And, uh, and it seems that way. But the, the best teacher breaks that divide, crosses that divide, so that the students don't see that empty space between the chairs and the podium. They feel that, and, I, and I've, what I've done, uh, sometimes they don't like it at the conventions, <laughs> but I change the seating around and I put myself in the middle and I create a circle around me. So I can teach, uh, I'm, so that I'm in there, I'm with the people I'm teaching, um, I'm right with them, rather than, you know, the, looking like a figurehead when you stand at the podium. I want them to see that I'm, I'm sitting at that same level. I'm no different than them. I just have had uh, an experience that they haven't had that I'm looking to share with them. And I think when uh, a teacher is willing to, to be a little free, and, um, and and open to getting in the trenches with his or her troops, um, I think it goes a long way. I've seen a lot better reception when I've taught that way than when I've taught from standing at a podium and just talking to people. And I see the, the, the eyelids flitter, and I see the yawns, and I see the head kind of tilting off to the side. But when I've sat in the middle and I have the people all around me, and I'm turning around or I'm walking around amongst all of them, that doesn't happen. So if you're a teacher, don't be afraid to change the, the way that you're teaching the people. It doesn't have to be you at the blackboard or the whiteboard and them just sitting in the chairs. Get in there with them. Sit with them. And you'll see how quickly they warm up and they're able to learn. And they have the, that feeds their passion to learn at the same time. And I think what Chris has told us today about the importance of mentorship, I'm hoping that this will carry on to many of you to either be mentors or seek out a mentor for yourself. Uh, you know, that, Chris didn't waste any time when he got in the fire service to learn as much as he could from as many people as he could. And he started locally, and then, bam, he was out nationally looking for it. And it's really been an honor to watch you on social media, Chris, and see a lot of the postings. As a matter of fact, not just that you do, but the postings that other people do about you when you've taught at a program. And uh, I really, you know, kudos to you for your dedication to this and how much you put in to helping us carry our message from the, the established crew to the new people com you know, coming into the department. So they have kind of like a smooth way to come in and it won't be so foreign or, or oblique, oblique to them 
when they come through that door that first time. Well, well, thank you, Steve. And, and, um, I, I owe it all to my mentors. I'm, I'm a product of, of, uh, their contributions that they've contributed to, uh, their investment into me. And, and, um, um, when I really look back through my own journey and I see all the mentors that have come along the side of me and, um, you know, perfect example is battalion chief, Andy Starnes. Oh yeah. Andy's really helped me and he's been one of my, my mentors. And, and that's, you know, the example that Andy shared with me was coming along the side. And so as, as we, as we establish these mentoring relationships, it's not as a, um, a, a subordinate role. It's not as a, uh, you know, even though it might be an educator or teacher role, but it's really coming along the side and, and helping someone. And if I really think about social media and I really think about the, the networking and, and LinkedIn, for example, and some of these other platforms is access as a mentor it's important to, to have access and to have an open door and to be available for those mentoring interactions. And it's important to, for the listeners out in the audience to be available and to be timely on your phone calls and your emails and to build those relationships and invest in each other. And I think that's what's made the difference for me is by seeing the example that the mentors that I've had have given me and I want to reciprocate that and I want to use that same investment in others. Great, great way to sum it up. That's perfect. Before we break here, uh, Chris, let's give people uh, your Twitter handle, please. Yes, Steve. If, uh, if anybody's interested in, in reaching out to me, they can reach, reach me either on Twitter at instructor Baker. Uh, they could also uh, go to my website, they could reach me at instructorchrisbaker.com. Uh, my email is, is easy. Um, you can reach me at info at instructorchrisbaker.com. Um, so I'm accessible uh, through those various means. I'm on Facebook at Instructor Chris Baker. Um, I also run the Future Firefighter social media profiles on, on Facebook and then also on Instagram. And then if you would like to professionally network with me, you can uh, via LinkedIn. So on Instagram, it's Future Firefighter? On Instagram, you could reach me at, at uh, Instructor Chris Baker Okay. On, uh, on Instagram. Right. Okay, great. All right, so we'll have all this on the website for you folks uh, under Chris's um, segment of the guest page. Chris, again, my sincere appreciation and thanks for taking time from a busy schedule. I know it's very early for you out in L.A. Uh, when we're doing this, uh, but I really appreciate the fact that you, this is the second time you've been you've been able to meet me at, at an early hour on your side of the country and uh, have a, and pr help me pr present a great uh, podcast for our listeners. And I think, you know, with all the topics we, we deal with, folks, um, I think mentorship and everything it entails, if we think about it really, Mentorship could really be, give us a step towards a better society. I think if we're open to learning people's differences and learning that for the most part we have a lot more similarities than we have differences, then 
this could be a better place. And it's all through the concept of being willing to share who you are, your experience with the next person and bring them up to it. So, Chris, again, my sincere thanks. I wish you all the luck in the world. You're, you're doing so much and so much good for the fire service with your teaching, with the uh, radio uh, broadcast you do through Firefighter Radio with um, Fire Engineering. Uh, what do you, you have a weekly podcast with them? Is that what it is? Yes, Steve. Uh, uh, about once a month on uh, the Fire Engineering Radio. Okay, once a month. Uh, I have the, uh, the Future Firefighter Podcast. All right, so once a month on Fire Engineering Radio, you can look for that online and listen to uh, Chris there. And it's a great topic when you think about what we talked about today, the future firefighter. Who's going to come over? Who's going to come up and replace? For example, Chris has got about 15 years in now, and so he'll put maybe another 10 in, 10 or 15 years. Who's going to replace Chris and this energy and this dedication that he's put in since he's been a firefighter, who's going to take that and pass it on? Well, if he's if they've been one of his students, I think there are going to be a lot of people willing to 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 listen who have listened to the Chris who, who learn that and want to take over uh, in their communities, and they understand the meaning and the importance of uh, because of the great example that Chris sets for all of us in the fire service, both currently and even retired or disabled out. He's a great example for that definition of who we are and what we do. We're much more than just running in and doing rescues or putting water, you know, wet stuff on the red stuff. There's a lot more to being a firefighter. And and Chris really, really personifies the most important part of who we are. We are teachers. We want to prevent going to fires. We want to prevent seeing injuries. And we do that by teaching the people whether it's our own members or teaching the public. And this is the guide to turn to if you're looking for more information about mentoring for your department. Chris Baker, his email is instructor, chrisbaker at gmail.com. You can remember that. All the rest will be on the website along with that. Chris, again, sincerely, thank you so much for your wisdom and for sharing with us. Uh, stay safe and stay well, my friend. Well, thank you, Steve, again for the uh, the opportunity, and I'm a big fan of, of your podcast. And I just all the interactions that we have had in the past, and I look forward to the opportunity of our paths crossing in the future. So, thank you for what you do, and and again, I'm I'm just honored and humbled to be a guest on your show. Well, thank you very much. We're happy to have you anytime, folks. We'll be right back right after these words. Please stay tuned. You are listening to Five Alarm Task Force, news and issues for today's first responders. You show up for your shift, but you're not feeling 100%. You greet your colleagues with a smile, but you just can't put your finger on it. I'll shake it off in an hour, you think to yourself. You take in a couple of nothing runs, but you're still not feeling any better. When you get back to the barn, you throw some cold water on your face and think, yeah, that's more like it, and head back to the day room. With training scheduled for after lunch, you make yourself comfortable in one of the recliners. But as you sit there, you feel ill. You start to sweat, and you feel nauseous. There's a pain in your left arm that you've never had before. Hey guys, you call out, I'm not feeling... And your voice trails off, 
your eyes close, and the darkness surrounds you. More firefighters die from cardiovascular health issues than any other reason. Don't let self-pride get in the way of taking care of yourself. See your doctor on a regular basis and be sure to advise him or her that you are a firefighter. Don't be a statistic. Be a healthy firefighter with a long career. For more information, visit the IAFF, the NVFC, or the IAFC-SHS website. Tacos of cheese and a large soda, that's $10,012. Please drive around. Wait, $10,000 what? It's obvious you're buzzed and driving. I've only had a few. I'm fine. Yeah, the food's 12 bucks, but getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Please drive around. Actually, just park and come in. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hi, this is Steve Green. For those of you who are newcomers to our podcast, we welcome you. And if you haven't listened before, every once in a while towards the end of a podcast, I insert a brief editorial that's called My View. And the one I'm about to record today is one that regular listeners have heard several times before, even to the point where just about a little over a month ago, we had... um, a special podcast with some of the best fire department leaders in our country discussing the severe and dangerous problem that we face today when we respond to an emergency on an active roadway. Now, I took the summer hiatus uh, around the third week of June till about the end of, of July, where I was away with my family. But uh, even though I was away and out of the studio and out of the office, I was attuned to as much as possible through uh, social media and the Internet with what's going on in the fire department. And it was, I guess, terrorizing to see how many first responders were lost in about those four weeks during that hiatus. It seemed like each week there were not one, not two, but maybe three first responders died in the line of duty because of another vehicle incident on an emergency scene where initial first responders had already deployed. In the podcast that we did, uh, like I said, about a month ago, there were some new ideas that were brought up, including uh, a new type of lighting program that uh, the major manufacturers are considering and looking that will be connected to your transmission system and how you move. So if you're in park mode, the lights will be a certain uh, level and pattern. If you're in active travel mode, it's in another. If you're in blocking mode, etc. And one of the participants uh, that day was uh, Chief Billy Goldfeder. And he had, he had 
he had presented a very interesting idea, and I don't know how far it had been discussed before he brought it up, but he brought up the idea of all first responders staging at a point before getting onto that active roadway. Now, of course, this is more appropriate for an active roadway on an interstate highway or main roads. Certainly, maybe this is not going to work on a two-lane rural road. But the idea was for all of the EMS, I'm sorry, all the emergency units to stage. So fire, police, and EMS all stage. And then they begin to come onto the scene by creating a driving wedge. In other words, the units all move at the same time, gently creating a wedge that's going to force traffic to either the left side of the highway or the right side of the highway. And at the same time, everything else gets cleared because the wedge is already closing off any other accessible way for traffic to follow. And then, of course, you need the proper blocking once you're on the scene. And uh, we've had Chief Victor Connolly on a couple of times talking about the Irving, Texas Fire Department and their blocking program. We had Chief Stoller on. You really need to go back, if you haven't listened to this podcast, and you've seen this happen with your department or you've seen it with a neighboring department or even if you've just read about it online on social media or in the trade journals, you need to go back and listen to the discussion that we've had um, for those on many of the roadways and those who have actually dealt with the problems, especially like Chief Conley did. They lost a tiller, brand new tiller truck uh, when it was hit, even though it was parked in the correct way, blocking the roadway, and a tractor trailer just, bam, went right into it. Of course, we know that for the most part, a lot of these accidents are caused by distracted drivers. They're looking at the phone, they're texting, they're answering calls, they're holding the phone, even though that state may have a law that says handheld phones are against the law, they're primary offenses. That doesn't stop people from doing it anyway. So we have to be proactive because we have to save our lives. Every first responder, fire, law enforcement, EMS, recovery operators, and road rangers. Every one of those lives is precious. And no one deserves to be injured or killed by a distracted driver when they're out doing their job, which is helping somebody else. We need to make this a national movement. It cannot just be on one podcast, two podcasts. We need the leaders from each of these areas, at least the three main areas, fire law enforcement and, and EMS, to begin to work together. Maybe in a local, regional, but especially on a national level. Create a national panel to take this bull by the horns and wrangle it. Turn it over and wrangle it down. We need to stop dying because of distracted drivers. So check with your department. Check with your neighboring departments. 
Start thinking of plans that you can work together. Listen to the podcast, or you can contact Chief uh, Goldfeder directly at his email through his website. And mem- please, you need to subscribe to The Secret List and Firefighter Close Calls from Chief Goldfeder because you'll get a lot of the information needed through those releases that he, he, he makes. Sometimes, I remember, I think it was a week or two ago, he had to do three in, in, in a day. So we need to take this bull by the horns as several organizations, but as first responders looking out for each other. And we must educate the public one way or another. And if, and if they survive the accident that they've caused, okay, well, we need law enforcement to throw the book at them. That's what we need to have done. We can't afford to lose the number of people that we're losing across the board of first responders, especially like we've had the past four to six weeks. So do what you can. Be a part of the solution, not part of the problem. Work towards it. Everybody can contribute something, even if you can't do everything. So stay safe and stay well. And that's my view. Did you know that 90% of American communities are served by volunteer fire departments and that many of those departments are actively looking for more volunteers? When you hear those sirens, do you say to yourself, wish I could do that? If you have the drive to serve, you can be a volunteer too. Volunteer and combo departments are always looking for new recruits. You'll be trained in the latest firefighting and rescue techniques and protecting your community at the same time. You'll be joining the ranks of over 1 million men and women who serve their cities and towns, protecting lives and property. Did you know that the founder of the first volunteer fire department was Benjamin Franklin? If old Ben can do it, so can you. Drop by your local fire department and introduce yourself. You just might know some of the folks already there. Before you know it, those volunteers will be like family. Anyone can be a volunteer, sure. It takes time and effort, but in your heart, you'll realize that it's all worth it. Want more information? Contact your local fire department or visit makemeafirefighter.org. And that wraps this episode of Five Alum Task Force. News and issues for today's first responders. We'd like to thank our guest, Chris Baker, for joining us to discuss mentorship in the fire service. Did you know you can now find us and subscribe to us on all the top podcast platforms? Just search for Five Alum Task Force. We also want to thank our sponsors, Insight Training LLC and the Firehouse Tribune, and our promotional partners, Dalmatian Productions, Chief Miller Products and Sites, Hennessy Distributing, your source for the cool towel, the Firefighter Cancer Foundation, the Firefighter Cancer Support Network, Nesta Bars, and the 2019 Great Florida Fire School. If you would like to be a guest with us or have a suggestion for a show, please drop us a line to dalmadprod.outlook.com. You can follow us on Twitter at DalmadProd or Cause underscore Origin and on Facebook at forward slash DalmadProd or DalmadProdFire. And stay up to date with all the news about our podcast, Dalmatian Productions, and our blog on our website, www.dalmatianproductions.tv. I'm Steve Green. Until next time, stay safe, stay well, and let's make sure everyone goes home.